Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The Astros have tied up the World Series at a game apiece. After a revealing investigation into a cover-up of sexual assault, what is next for the Chicago Blackhawks? And how will the Braves respond as the World Series shifts to Atlanta? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. After being largely shut down in Game 1, the Astros lineup came to life in Game 2. Our Locked On Insider Gordon Beckham has the inside look at the win. Gordon, it was another good one, but this time the Astros come out on top. The series is now tied 1-1. Astros won with a final score of 7-2. What did you like about what you saw from the Astros tonight compared to Game 1? I think the Astros kind of shook off the rust they had in game one, and then they came right back and decided to go mm-hmm. up one nothing in the first inning. Granted, uh, Atlanta answered in the top of the second, but they didn't stop there. They just kept getting runs. And uh, I think that uh, what you saw was the Astros kind of basically picking up the slack from having three days off. I mean, nobody really wants to talk about it, but three days off in baseball world is, is a lot. It's a lot to get on the other side of. And for them to come back in game two and look like they did, they look hungry. I mean, they, they clearly looked like they wanted to answer the bell, answer the call that the Braves basically uh, did not game one. So it's making, uh, making its way to be a very good series, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Gordon, both starting pitchers in Jose Urquidy and Max Freed went five innings, which is something that's going to be very important, not only as it was to game two, but as we move forward in this series. So talk a little bit about both of their performances and what going that five innings is going to mean for both of these bullpens. Yeah, Urquidy did a good job of like getting five innings. He looked great tonight. He kept the Braves mm-hmm. off balance. He kept them off the bases. I mean, did a very good job. Uh, Max Free did just as good of a good job having a bad night. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be like, what do you mean? He gave up six runs. It's like, no. Uh, he he was able to battle through and give up these runs while saving bullpen. So they really didn't – the Braves did not really use anybody that they consider the guy uh, at the end of the game, you know. I mean, Chavez could probably be in the mix for one of those positions. But either way, um, they didn't use any of their bullpen arms. So they give these guys rest, right? And so that was important. I guarantee you Brian Snicker was thinking about that, and he's probably just telling Max Fried, hey, you got to go out there and give us innings. I don't care if we lose this game 15-1. to Somehow find a way to give us innings because we've got to get back to Atlanta and not have our bullpen completely spent tonight. So I would say incredible job by Urquidy. I really think it, I mean, a much better job than Max Freed. But when you look on the, like deeper on the, you know, from the surface of it, Max Freed did a really good job to kind of reset that bullpen. So I think Braves fans should feel good about that. But Urquidy and the rest of the guys in the Astros, they just showed up to play. And I mean, they, they, they showed why they're, probably the favorite in this uh, in this World Series, even after losing game one. Let's take a look for the, the last question, Gordon, at the pitching matchup that we're expecting to see in game three. Luis Garcia on the mound for the Astros and Ian Anderson on the mound for the Braves. Who do you like in that matchup? Uh, Garcia has been really good. I feel like he's just, yeah. uh, I watched him in the, in the regular season too. He's got some stuff. I listen at the end of the day, uh, Garcia is really good. And Ian Anderson is too. I think you give the edge to Garcia because of what his stuff is. It's just better than Ian Anderson's, but Ian Anderson knows how to pitch. So, and it's in his own park. He struggled a little bit. Um, 
I think they'll both have good games. I think this will be a low-scoring game on Friday. And uh, just one or two things, defensively or offensively, are going to get this thing done. For all your World Series insights, subscribe to the Locked On MLB YouTube page. And coming up, where do the Chicago Blackhawks and really the entire NHL go from here after an investigation yields horrifying results? And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all of the local, uh, all the parts you need at your local chain auto parts store. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time, save money. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? You don't have to do that. You don't have to give them their money. You don't have to give your money away. RockAuto.com is a family business. They serve do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You don't know what these prices are, are supposed to be. I don't know what these parts are supposed to cost. So go somewhere where the prices are always reliably low for every customer go explore their easy to use website today and find a solution for all your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you now here's what you need to be locked on today as they were getting set for a marquee thursday night matchup the arizona cardinals learned they would be without jj watt likely for the rest of the season well crap Alex Clancy with Locked On Cardinals. Uh, news just came out from Adam Schefter and other outlets that J.J. Watt will need potentially season-ending shoulder surgery after he gutted it out last week, apparently played the whole second half of the shoulder injury. Um, this came down just a couple of minutes ago. Let's just take a second here that if this were to be season-ending surgery, what we saw last year from Vance Joseph after Chandler Jones went out with the season-ending bicep injury the defense got better the blitz packages got more fierce things shifted in a way that nobody really expected i'm not saying that's exactly going to be a carbon copy of what happens this season if the cardinals lose jj watt for the season you've got to feel bad for jj i mean he was having a good season uh, in his new atmosphere here with arizona but all in all the reason why you bring a guy like J.J. Watt in is sure for the play on the field, absolutely the leadership on the field but also one thing the Cardinals will not lose that they've kind of lacked in the past is leadership off the field on the sideline, in the locker room at practice, J.J. Watt ain't going anywhere when it comes to those things sure, losing him on the field is a huge blow if this is 2B season ending surgery but J.J. Watt will be here stronger than ever on the sideline in his leadership role. The Texans completed a trade. No, not that one. They're sending Mark Ingram to the Saints. The return of Michael Scott, Buffy being brought back from the grave to kick off season six. Return of the Mac. None of them, none of them have anything on this. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast in New Orleans Saints, bringing back running back Mark Ingram. 
Ingram via a trade from the Houston Texans, all according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport. The conditions of the trade not yet public, but we'll keep you up to date on all of that. But this is huge for the New Orleans Saints, who have been really leaning on Alvin Kamara as their bell cow, not only running back, but offensive weapon so far this season, trying to find a way to lighten his load a little bit. They bring back his former tandem backfield mate, looking at all the details with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, boom and zoom back together again. And Mark Ingram also making his return to the New Orleans Saints, just 90 yards shy of the franchise all-time rushing yardage mark as well. Something else to keep an eye out on. The Lakers took a loss on the road to the Thunder. This is Andy Kamenetsky, co-host of Locked on Lakers podcast, and the Lakers lose 123-115 to a heretofore winless Oklahoma City Thunder team that, quite frankly, I think would prefer to stay that way. The Lakers built a 70-44 lead, 26 points with 328 left in the first half. But then as the game continued, they completely lost their focus on both ends of the court, settled for ISOs, settled for a lot of bad shots in general, stopped paying attention to the details, and this very veteran team lost its composure. I mean, right down to Russell Westbrook getting ejected um, in the final seconds of the game after taking exception to Darius Baisley dunking with the game in hand. I guess Baisley broke one of the unwritten rules about not showing up an opponent. Uh, Flip side is another of the unwritten rules is don't blow a 26-point lead. And the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team has initiated a lawsuit in an effort to get the Cleveland Indians not to use the name Guardians. The roller derby team has carried the name since 2013 and brought the lawsuit to federal court in Cleveland on Wednesday, alleging the switch from Indians to Guardians infringes on their trademark. A major league club cannot simply take a smaller team's name and use it for itself, the lawsuit insists. There cannot be two Cleveland Guardians teams in Cleveland, and to be blunt, plaintiff was here first. Hard to argue with that. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for on betonline.ag, your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. The Packers, missing a few key playmakers, are underdogs on the road to the undefeated Cardinals. BetOnline.ag has the Packers Six and a half point dogs. I like the Packers. On the court, the Knicks travel to Chicago to take on the undefeated Bulls. That's right, the undefeated Bulls. BetOnline.ag gives the Bulls a two-point edge in that matchup. And on the ice, the Penguins play host to the Flames. And BetOnline.ag has them as the slight money line favorite. Minus 118. For all your gambling needs, betonline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to get that bonus. Here is another story you need to know. In a startling and gripping interview, former NHL player Kyle Beach comes out as John Doe in the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks and a sexual assault involving one of the video coordinators. It turns out not only did the coaches know, the players knew, and some of those players and coaches are still in the league. Joining me now from Locked on Flyers and Locked on NHL, Rachel Donner. And Rachel, uh, the, the details in this case have been around for over a decade now. We're getting more of that information. And the more information we get, the more shocking and and honestly disappointing this all seems it's just been absolutely awful and you know my my heart goes out 
to Kyle. It it just must have been such a difficult thing for him to come forward and, you know, make his name public. I, I think, you know, going back to the original incident, what brought all of this back up so many years later is that he filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks alleging negligence related to this sexual assault incident um, by Brad Aldrich, who was a former video coach for the team. Uh, He alleged that there was another player involved. And later that month or in June, a high school or a former high school student sued the Blackhawks as well because they had written a recommendation for Brad Aldrich after he was allowed to just walk away from the team. He later got a job and then this high school kid had been assaulted as well. So this all came to light this past May. Then in June, you know, the Blackhawks kind of got forced into doing an independent investigation through pressure and some really amazing reporting from Rick Westhead at TSN kind of tipped the scales in that direction. Tuesday of this week, the results of that independent investigation came out and it was just damning across the board that, you know, Stan Bowman, who's the GM, the team president, John McDonough, Al McIsaac, and uh, Coach Joel Quenville apparently all knew what was happening and basically said, no, we're going to just, you know, sweep this under the rug because we're in the middle of a Stanley Cup run and that comes first, which is just horrifying (laughs) to think about across the board. What is next, if anything? Because as you mentioned, we had the resignation in the front office. The coach is no longer there. Is there is there more to come here in terms of punishment, in terms of potential legal action? Do we do what do we know at this point about next steps, if anything? So as a result of the report on Tuesday, Stan Bowman resigned from Chicago. He also resigned from Team USA as GM of the Olympic team in Beijing. Al McIsaac also resigned from the Blackhawks and the NHL fined the Blackhawks $2 million, a million of which is supposed to go to domestic violence and sexual assault related charities in the Chicago area. But who knows what actually will happen with that money. As far as the other people who are still in hockey, Joel Quenville is now the head coach of the Florida Panthers and actually coached on the bench last night against the Boston Bruins. He is having a meeting today with Gary Bettman to see what his future in hockey might be. Kevin Dayoff, who was with the Blackhawks at the time, is now GM of the Winnipeg Jets. He is having a similar meeting with Gary mm. Bettman on Monday. And, you know, the evidence against both of them is pretty damning. In my opinion, neither of them should be working in hockey anymore at this point, but we'll see what the results of those meetings are. Make sure to follow the Locked On NHL podcast for more details on this story as they emerge. Coming up, the World Series shifts to Atlanta and is tied at a game apiece. What do the Braves have to do to win game three? And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar. I say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these bars to believe it. They're they're not chalky. They're not waxy or or difficult to to choke down. That's what you have to do with a lot of protein bars. You have to just choke them down. Built bars are soft. 
They're covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into them, you know you're eating something that's a little bit different. But low carb, low calorie, low, low in sugar, and low in fat, but high in protein, high in fiber. That's the deal. And they taste delicious. Coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry barcia, uh, coconut, raspberry, Plus, this month, they're coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days. Check the website often so you don't miss out. The website, Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your first order, and you're going to need that promo code because you're going to want to load up. Promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. The Houston Astros exploded for four runs in the second, and they hold off the Atlanta Braves in a 7-2 Game 2 victory to square the World Series at one game apiece. Joining me now from Locked on Braves, Jake Mastriani. And Jake, this was an about-face from what we saw in Game 1. Is it just one of those things where you're like, okay, uh, they flipped the script and now you have to just go take care of business? Or was there something in Game 2 that makes you go, hmm, this is now different than what I thought this series would be? No, I mean, for the Braves standpoint and where their mindset has to be right now is they were looking to split, you know, these two in Houston, you know, win one of these first two games in Houston, go back home where they've been very good in this postseason. And, you know, I think they can win at least two of three there. So in terms of that, they did what they were supposed to do. But certainly when you have your best starter on the mound and Max Freed, you know, you expect to have more of a fight in this game than they did. Um, but fell behind early, you know, some uncharacteristically bad defensive plays by the Braves in this game cost them a couple of runs. I mean, they've been one of the best defenses, infield defenses, particularly in all of baseball this year. And they just made some plays in this game that you don't normally see from them. I don't know if maybe the moment got to them a little bit or what it was, but uh, that was the only thing from this game that really, you know, took me back to say, okay, that's not normal. That's not what I see from this typical Braves team. So, that was the only thing in this, you know, Max struggled. He also had a little bit of bad luck in that second inning. Again, with the defensive miscues, you had the dribbler by Jose Siri. So a couple of just odd things happened here or there, but that's what it takes in games like this. I mean, the Braves had some breaks in the first game, but didn't get those breaks in this game. It went the Astros way and they were victorious. How concerned are you that the Astros bats woke up in this game and, and Atlantis has gone cold? Is this just baseball or are you going, mm, this is, you got to keep an eye on this. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not. I would say I'm concerned. I'm a little surprised that the Braves' offense didn't have a punch back, particularly after that bottom of the second when the Astros did score those four runs. You had Freeman, Albies, and Riley come up, and they go down one, two, three, like very quickly. And so that was the game for me. There was just no punch back from the Braves right there and Urquidy kind of just settled in after that so little surprise they weren't able to get after him but I mean tip your hat to Urquidy did a great job kind of living on the edges there had the Braves a little bit off balance with that change up but they also I mean were kind of like the Astros in game one they just missed some big home runs in this game some big hits so I'm not worried about the Braves offense at all I mean I, I think the hits were you know they almost had as many hits as the Astros in this game it's just that second inning for the Astros, they were able to put up that crooked number. And I really think that's going to be the key in this series is who can, you know, put up that crooked number. And the Braves were able to do it in the first three innings in game one. The Astros did it in the first two innings uh, of game two. And, you know, that's what it's been so far. What is the key for the Braves in game three? 
it's, it's really the same key that it is for me in this entire series. Can the offense take advantage early in the game against the Astros starting pitching? I mean, that was supposed to be the big advantage for the Braves coming into this series. Now without Charlie Morton, that kind of throws a wrench into things. But the Braves hitters have to be able to get after these Astros starting pitchers and give their starter, give the Braves starters an early lead. So we'll see if they'll be able to do that against Luis Garcia. I mean, another pitcher, obviously the Braves don't have a lot of experience against. So we'll see how that factors into it. I don't think they were really ready for Jose Urquidy, somebody they haven't seen a lot. But I mean, that's the key for me. It's these early innings. I don't think we're going to see a lot of games decided late in this series just because both teams have very good back end and bullpens uh, right now. So these games are going to be decided in those first, you know, three to five innings. So it's getting out to that hot start, you know, getting an early lead, allowing your starting pitcher to kind of settle in. So that's not only the key in game three, but throughout this entire series for me. And finally, the Denver Nuggets got some good news regarding their best player. Nikola Jokic suffered a right knee contusion during Tuesday night's game with the Jazz and was held out for the second half as the Nuggets took the L. Jokic felt soreness in the knee on Wednesday morning and went through some tests on that knee, but no structural damage was found. The reigning NBA MVP bumped knees with Utah center Rudy Gobert and immediately went down in pain. Jokic won his first MVP last season, and he's off to a hot start, had 24-6-6, making 8-9 of in just 15 minutes in that first half against Utah. Jokic went into Tuesday's game averaging 27.7 points, 16 rebounds, and 4 assists. The NBA has a rash of injuries on its hand, as many of the marquee stars in, nope, nope. The NBA dealt with a rash of injuries to many of their primetime players in 2020. The league has seen a handful of big names with injuries this season, though it seems to have dodged a bullet with Jokic here. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Make your second listen Locked On Bets. Download and subscribe, free and available on all platforms. Coming up tomorrow, Thursday night football can't get much better than Packers Cardinals and we'll be all over the results of this monster matchup. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.